Welcome to uh, Not Minding Your Own Business. I'm Russell Farbiars, your host, and I am uh, joined today by Sherry Dodderer of Dodderer Educational Consulting. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you for being here today. Well, it is a pleasure to be here, Russell. It is so nice to uh, be able to talk with people from my own community. That's that's wonderful. Uh, Sh- Sherry, can you, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about, about you and what you do? I'm an occupational therapist. Around 2009, I started working as a direct service provider in the schools. And as I was working, I kept coming up with this question, why can I my child read and not be able to write? Why does my child have trouble writing? Why why can't my child read and write? Like that whole combination thereof, everything also syncing with the writing and re- and making that correlation to reading and how that was working. And I'm like, I don't know. The second question was, well, what is dysgraphia and how is it different from ADHD and and dyslexia and dysgraphia, I mean, dyscalculia and all those other pieces. And I'm like, I don't know. So I started doing some research and around 2016, I had enough research that I kind of put was able to put a book together. And then in 2019, I published Handwriting Brain Body Disconnect. And from there, my life has just changed. And I didn't realize when I was writing that I wasn't the only OT that really just didn't understand what dysgraphia was. And as I'm zeroing in on what that little entity of the world is, I have found a niche and I have become the international dysgraphia expert. Um, just, uh, just so that you know, I did. they didn't announce it yet. And I don't know exactly when this is coming out, but in April, they're going to officially announce it. I'm the dysgraphia expert of the year in Northeast USA. So, wow, that is wonderful, Sherry. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I, that is, and that's through the Global uh, Health and Pharma magazine, which has a distribution of 126,000 uh, subscribers. So my name will get out there even further as uh, as the dysgraphia expert. And I really have found this niche that I didn't expect back in 2009. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's, that's just fascinating that, you know, you, you sort of, you think you're going down like a little bit of a rabbit hole and, <laughs> and it, you really, you really did create a, a niche for yourself. Cause I, yeah. I've, I've sort of, I've known, I've known of you for, for many, many years. I think even pre, I think I've known of you since probably around 2009. I think we met maybe a couple of years ago um, officially, uh, but you know, you've really done a lot in, in really a short period of time. So congratulations, you know, it's, it's a, it's a well-deserved accolade. Uh, now you talked about a, a couple of things there, but what, can you explain to our, our readers, what is dysgraphia? Dysgraphia is a specific learning disability. According to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders. Hey, I got it out that time, yay. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, the DSM-5 is the Bible of mental health. And according to that, it's a developmental delay. It is a difficulty with punctuation, grammar, spelling, capitalization, paragraph organization, 
is they have kids have difficulty with clarity. You can have difficulty where you just reach that capacity and you just can't do any more. And so it is really, it, it goes the gamut from that child who is just learning how to write a letter all the way up to somebody writing their dissertation and it just like stuck and just can't get the words down on paper. You could also like liken it to writer's block where you're looking at the blinky white page and you can't get anything down on paper. It, 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 and that's momentary, but the disability really is when it really impacts your life in general. So I, when I was writing and in years past, I always struggled with writing. So as I started learning more, I realized, hmm, there must be some connection. And the more I delve into it, the more I do have a capacity to where I like, yeah, yeah, I need some support here. And I've learned where I need that support. It did not fully impact my general education. It impacted me more when I was in college. Okay. And so how is dysgraphia similar or not similar to dyslexia? Dyslexia is a also a specific learning disability. It is a disability in reading. So we have three specific disabilities. The first one being dyslexia, and that is reading. So that's phonemic awareness and phonics and vocabulary, reading comprehension, reading fluency. Anytime you go then to put it on paper, it is the written expression, which is where the dysgraphia comes in. And then uh, dyscalculia is a difficulty with math, and that's understanding calculations and problem solving and the, all the computation pieces to it. There's also another um, disability that flows into this, but it's not a specific learning disability. It's actually a disability in motor function and that is dyspraxia, and that's with oral expression and the people that stutter and such. So there is this really this, this fine line that distinguishes it from other mental health diagnoses. It is very similar to ADHD in that ADHD is kind of this overlying problem that is not allowing the child to write or the person to write. But it, it, dysgraphia itself does not have that association with um, the ADHD. That, that's a separate diagnosis. You can have both, but it's two different entities. What are the symptoms that are specific to dysgraphia? Well, I have six different types that I have found in my, as I'm looking through research and looking at it from a sensory processing perspective, because for the last 20 years, I've really researched sensory processing, even before I was a school-based therapist. And so you start out with the sensory piece. Well, the biggest piece and that has to do with writing is vision. So visual spatial is really that foundation. So any difficulty that you have making those perceptual changes from what you see and need to write and so difficulty with margins, difficulty with understanding how to use the lines as a young person, they have the three lines on the paper versus when you go to a blank piece of paper and knowing how to have your proportion of your sizes for your letters from one letter to the next, 
versus a motor related piece. And that's usually also associated with something else. So they could have that clumsiness. They could really have difficulty with sitting at their desk. They might be falling off, but a lot of times a motor dysgraphia really is associated with something else. Then there's also problems with memory. So we could be having a lot of issues with, I, 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 I can't find that word, or it is, they say it orally and then go to write it on paper and they just can't do it. And then problems with spelling. And I think this was one of the core starting points for me was the difficulty in spelling with these kids. They just can't get one sight words down on paper or they can't get words themselves down on paper. I say that I before E after C every time that I write, but they're not utilizing those uh, sing songs with spelling rules anymore. Um, and and uh, I think the thing I learned about grammar and, and spelling was back in those days where we had Schoolhouse Rock. Remember Schoolhouse Rock? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> and I think that helped me a lot. And I really, when I have a kiddo who's really struggling with a certain area, I pull those songs in. I'm like, I'm really glad that they're now on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, the next area, or the next two areas are sentence structure and paragraph formation. Some kids will just balk at you to write five words on a piece of paper. They just don't, and part of it is all those underlying areas, they don't know where to put it. They don't know how to space their words apart. So those are some of the symptoms that you might see is that they just don't know where to put it and they can't remember what to do. And a lot of times they'll use hand pain as an excuse to get out of it. <laughs> Kids are clever, you know, when they, 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 they know how to get out of stuff and they don't want to, they don't want to do it, but yeah, that's, you know, I, I'm sure that there are parents out there who are struggling with getting their kids to, to, to do to do some of these tasks and don't even realize that that it's not, you know, obstinance or or laziness. Um, it, oh, thank it, you for using that word. It isn't. It really yeah. I am so anti it's a lazy student because every student wants to meet the expectation of the adults around them. They. Mm -hmm unless they have an adult that's around them that just isn't demonstrating care. But any parent that's demonstrating care, any teacher that's demonstrating care, the child wants to li live up to their expectations. Mm -hmm. they, don't know how to, they don't know how to access what they're looking, what the expectation is. So that's that barrier to learning. Absolutely. So if you're a parent and, and you're you have a child who who's displaying these 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 symptoms what what do you do well first of all you really need to have an occupational therapy evaluation really i mean you can do some things there's all kinds of adaptive ways of fixing paper and stuff like that there's all a plethora of things out there on pinterest on instagram and and different activities that you can do, but really to narrow down and streamline and get through the problem quickly, you really need an occupational therapist to do a thorough evaluation. 
what is going on with their visual perception? Is it one specific area or is it a global issue? <clears throat> For example, I had one kiddo who he scored above average in everything with his visual perception, except for one area, and that was figure ground. What I, what I like to use as an example of figure ground is a white plate with mashed potatoes on top. So can you see it? Can you not? Mm -hmm. When I was working with adults, it may have been after a stroke and they just couldn't see that side of the plate because the stroke was preventing them to see. Now. We're looking at, at children who haven't had that kind of a problem. Why can't they see the white mashed potatoes on the white plate? Hmm. It has to do with that inability to be able to see colors on colors or shapes on shapes. We did a lot of activities that really looked at the visual figure ground. And over time, he was able to then put words on paper space them. But before that, he would say to me, you want me to write eight words? Are you kidding me? More than once. <laughs> Sometimes I just had a laugh at the way he said it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it, yeah, that day was, I, I couldn't hold it in. But <laughs> sometimes, we, sometimes you have to laugh, though, with, mm -hmm. with, with kids. So now, no, you, you are you are an occupational therapist. So do you yes. do these types of evaluations? Yes, I do. I do these types of evaluations in Pennsylvania. I don't have a license in other states. However, I haven't been doing that as much lately. I have just been doing the consulting and my primary role right now is going into schools mm -hmm. and helping the teachers understand some of those subtle signs that are could this be dysgraphia? Maybe, maybe not. And if it's a school within Pennsylvania and I have the permission, I can do the evaluation, especially if their staff therapist is way too busy to pull in that, that time. So I can be there as a resource, an additional person that, they, that can help. I also have courses that are teaching that online and we do some uh, group coaching, and I have certified occupational therapists, dyslexia therapists, and teachers from all over the world. I have one in Malaysia that is just finishing my course. I have some in Australia. And my book has been translated into Turkish, so I have a Turkish audience as well. They haven't taken my course, but most of them are looking for the Turkish translation, and that's not happening right now. Not, 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 I, I can't, unless I go through and, and do a, an SRT file in Turkish, I don't know. And I don't know if it would be correct because I don't speak Turkish. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> okay. Thank you. The not yet part, but it is not in my uh, priority list. Let's put it that way. Sorry, people in Turkey. I do love the fact that my book got translated into Turkish and I love the people that I've met through Turkey. I just don't think I can learn the language right now. <laughs> so are you working with students right now primarily or you're primarily no. on the training side for, for training. other providers? Yeah, Pro professional yeah. development. W wonderful. And, and so you have 
courses on your on your website that mm -hmm. that professionals can can take yes and what about your book where could they get their your book well it's available on my website uh it's also available on anywhere books are sold amazon barnes and noble um a lot of uh, used book f uh, places i even found it on ebay one night last week <laughs> don't you love when you glue yourself and you find things about, mm -hmm. about yourself yep <laughs> i was recently in uh, reading eagle last week um uh because of the announcement of this uh award that i talked about right. um lisa mitchell from berksmont news shout out to Ber lisa she's amazing she um, is she did a an interview with me on uh, Tuesday night. And uh, by an hour later, she had the, the announcement in the paper. I was like, wow, you are an amazing woman. <laughs> she, she truly is. Um, I've seen her at a lot of events and she's, she gets her stuff, she gets things done. So you talked a little bit about, you know, how you, how you got into, into dysgraphia really was, was just a product of your clients asking you questions. Uh, it, was there anything else that, that excited you or interested you about, about dysgraphia that led you into the field? I guess it is the delineation between that and ADHD. Um, suspecting that both of my children had ADHD and my son, oh gosh, the therapist whose son had cannot have anything mm -hmm. written clearly on paper unless he really really wants to um i was like okay is this dysgraphia or is this just attitude in the most part it was just attitude because he can print that you can read it <laughs> at this point in his life but i was like okay so what is the barrier here where is the delineation between one versus the other so really trying to understand mm -hmm. adhd and then realizing that nobody else was really understanding dysgraphia, even dyslexia tutors and therapists, which really some of the things that I've learned, like blew my mind, dyslexia therapists and therapists with 20 years experience in school-based therapy were, are the ones that are like thriving on the material that I'm teaching. But my goal is that teachers would learn it as well. And so, is that is that is that the mission of, of your of what you're trying to do is 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 educate teachers and providers? Mm -hmm. Yes, that, that's 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 wonderful, and because that's something that you know, teachers. There's a lot that's put on teachers every day, and it's just hard for them to keep up, and and they're not given enough credit, especially over the last two plus years with, with the pandemic. Yes. Uh, so it's great to, that you can provide that additional resource. Now, is that, is that how you started? Did you start working in schools with, with students when you first became an OT? No, I, when I was first became an OT, I worked in adult care for about 15 years. I worked the gamut. I started out acute care, went to long-term care, went into home care. And when I started, uh, when I was, while I was in home care, I went back to school, got my master's degree. And part of my master's degree is a business degree. 
because at some point I just knew I wanted to be in business for myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that should look like. Even at that time, I actually had a totally I, another idea in mind while I was in school. I got out of school and a friend of mine said, I need some OTs to work for me. She worked for a cyber school. And I was like, I don't even know what cyber school is. <laughs> and lo and behold, by I graduated and by August, I had a business plan and was working for this school and then started marketing to other cyber schools. And I had about six cyber schools on my contract for a while. And intermittently, I was working for some school buildings. So I got to see what it looked like in the school building. I got to see what it looked like in the cyber world. And what was unique about my business was that I was actually going out to the home. Even though kids were school, I was not doing virtual OT. I was going to the school or to their home where they were going to school. So I was able to really get those students that were struggling the most with the online world, even though they could do it academically, they were struggling functionally. So I was able to help a lot of uh, function. I really got to relate to parents well Mm -hmm. in, in that environment. Yes, I got to teachers, but I really got to understand parents and their perspective. I see virtual OT being very challenging because there's a lot of man- manipulation and you know, yeah, we yeah. don't have enough availability even within the platforms, the digital platforms, to have enough webcams to really help. Um, document writers are one thing I have learned, especially now since the pandemic hit. I'm like, okay, I know how to use Zoom because I did beforehand, but really learning how to apply that to the OT environment. Virtual document writers are definitely one of those things that the kids need to, while you're doing the therapy, because one of the things I found with virtual OT is I couldn't make that change for that student in the moment. I had to wait till they were done writing. Here, let me see what you wrote. And it wasn't effective enough And I know that I had a kiddo who was, I could have made a huge change. And with it being virtual, it, the change didn't go as fast as I was hoping. Yeah, I could, I could see that just by the nature of what it is, what you're doing with kids uh, being, being really challenging. So why don't we, why don't we take it? you know, shift gears a little bit here. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to, want to get to know you a little, a little bit better how do you spend your time when you aren't working? <laughs> I laugh at that one because my daughter tells me I don't stop working. She's like, you need to find something to do. But I'll <laughs> tell you what, in the last two years, it's been hard to find something to do. But I will tell you this, you and I both live in Hamburg. You know where the reservoir is. I don't know where mm-hmm. who your, where your audience is, but it basically, the reservoir is the bottom of the Appalachian at the bottom of the mountain next to the Appalachian right. Trail. Let's put it that way. Well, I walk up the road, I hit pulpit rock, I turn around and come home. I was doing that for two years before the pandemic hit. Then we weren't allowed to go over there for a while and kind of lost that that momentum. Um, I'm trying to get back into it, but it's not, I have to re- really think my schedule a little bit. But the other thing you can do is you can find me doing jigsaw puzzles. Right now, I've got a thousand piece that I've been working on. It's difficult. A lot of black, 
black pieces in that puzzle and there's a lot of white pieces in that puzzle and when they're this that similar color all the time it makes it difficult but it goes back to my love of visual perception because jigsaw puzzles and visual perception go together of course of course so how do you how often do you get away and what are your favorite vacation spots I know that's that's a tough tough question right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. Honestly, if I really have got to be honest with you, I can't tell you the last time I really had a good, clear vacation. Um, Whenever we get to go somewhere, there's usually an extra piece involved. So getting a really separate vacation, I don't think I've had one of those in a long time. Before the pandemic hit, my son was doing some college tours. And the last time that we got to go away, I got to do one of the things on my bucket list and that was see Niagara Falls. Oh, wonderful. That's on it's, our bucket list too. It's a beautiful place. Uh, it, it just, I was just in awe. One of those things I do wanna go back and spend more time. And now that I have that culture of this, the first time I'm here, go back. Um, so I do, I love the idea, the waterfall idea. I love being in, in the woods. Don't get me on a beach. I am like totally revulsed by sand. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't do beach well, um, but I also uh, have a dream of taking my kids to Disney and hoping that uh, within the next two years that we can do that. Now that they're adults, you know, they're going to have a different perspective than they would have when they were two. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, as I went to Disney as a four-year-old and eight-year-old, and then we went again, probably when I was in my twenties and it was, it was a, it's a much different experience, experience yes. when you're, yeah. when you're older. But my, my daughter is absolutely infatuated with uh, still, even as an adult with all the princesses, especially Rapunzel. <laughs> so anything that I, if I can get her into some tangled uh, things, it would be amazing. <laughs> One, oh, wonderful. Yeah. She'll, she'll, she'll love that. Uh, now, are you originally from the Berks County area? Yep. Born and bred here. Um, I grew up in Burn Township. When we first got married, we moved to 61, bought a house then about, about a mile from my mom and dad. In 2005, we moved up here to uh, Hamburg area. So we've been here ever since. Wonderful. And what is your fondest memory of the area? Fondest memory of the area? Like I've been here all my life. Like that one, I guess, I think it was the, the first time I went up to Pulpit Rock and I was, okay, I can really go up to the edge because I've always been afraid of heights Mm -hmm. and go up to the edge and go, yeah, I can look down there and not feel like I'm going to freak out. So the doing, doing those things that have been fear, Mm -hmm. I've been really looking at uh, attacking those um, and finding places and little locations to, to just have some uh, solace time. Um, Antietam Lake is, Although small, it's beautiful little hideaway that not many people know about. Um, I did attend Alvernia, so when they would have when they had the uh, pond down below mm-hmm. there, which has now been drained, you know, I used to go down there and study and be under the tree and 
that's one of the things I liked about home care is I could get out and I could be there in the world. I didn't like being in fluorescent lights as much. You like being out in nature and, yeah. being, and just being out there. I can, I can, I can tell. And that's, and that's, that's great. You know, how do you contribute back to the community? It has been much more difficult over the last two years. Prior to that, I attend Zion's church over in Windsor Castle. Okay. I was part of the Journey Cafe, uh, part of the Sunday school program, part of the Secret Kingdom program. So I gave back, especially all the way up to when my kids were graduated from high school and then pandemic hit shortly thereafter. I also helped at Hamburg High School in the performing arts department. So my time, even as a young business owner, my value was what my kids, where my kids were is where I needed to be also. So I like tried to spend as much time with my kids while they were younger. Now, well, they don't want to spend time with me. Heck, my daughter lives in Albany. So, <laughs> you know, don't get to see her as much. Michael, on the other hand, is still here at home, and he is now uh, my office manager. So he's the one that I ha that spends the most time with me at this point. So that's a blessing. Is he still in the into theater? Yes, he is. He has actually uh, been taking improv classes right now. And uh, I think he would have been in performing arts school if it hadn't been so expensive. It was ridiculously expensive. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm not putting myself in debt. So he stayed home. That's smart from a financial perspective. <laughs> yes. So what, yeah. a little secret about him is he is the youngest member of Crystal City Chorus. Oh, very interesting. I know some other, I think I know some other members of Pretzel City Chorus, so. The superintendent of our school is. Yes, that's uh, what I the was. Director, the director, yeah, is, is the director. And yeah. I often kid people. I said, yeah, I could find my son in the superintendent's office. And people <laughs> look at me like, are you, what? No, because they were singing together. <laughs> it was more the fact that it was anything else. And, and, um, Dr. Metzdorf has been in the driveway to pick Michael up to go to chorus events and, and different events over the years. And so because of that, I've developed a different relationship with him than maybe the average uh, citizen in the area, but nice, wonderful man, great yes. value, and he's doing amazing things for our homeschool district. Yes, he, he is. And just just talk with him. if Michael just talks with him, you learn a lot. I can I can tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the wisdom, the mm -hmm. wisdom in that man, it blows me away. I don't. So here I am. Gonna, I'm going to even go a little bit further. He wrote a couple documents early on when he first came and he gave me copies of them. They're just amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I have no idea where they're published or if you have to get them from him. But it'd be great in the show notes if we had a way to share them with people, but I don't know how to do that. I can probably make that happen. Well, that uh, would be fabulous. He meant, yeah. and, and it's from an educator's perspective and what he sees the world to, world, what the world of education is going to be like, but 
that was they were written before pandemic so who knows how much they've changed at this point <laughs> yeah yeah i'll see if i can uh, i'll reach out to him and see if i can get get copies of those so our listeners can uh can check those out but sherry this is this has been wonderful uh what 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 should more people be aware of, aware of about what you do what should people be more aware of um just when a kiddo is not wanting to put a pencil in their hand and refusing to write it's not refusing to write there's something else going on neurologically that is blocking that ability it could be they just don't know what they're supposed to be right they can't remember what they're doing um it might be they're looking at a piece of paper and it just looks foreign and they don't know what to do with the lines it could be I don't know how to put the noun, verb, and participles and all those functions of speech together and make a logical sentence. So don't think it's laziness. Dig deeper, find out what that barrier is because the fear cycle is gonna be the thing that takes over and the fear cycle is gonna block them from being able to read. So getting and getting around that fear cycle is gonna be the thing that will help them reach their potential. Well, thank you. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way to, to, to get in touch with you? SherryDotter.com. And there's a contact page on there that they can send me a message. Uh, they can uh, find me almost all social media. So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Where else am I? I think that's it. I I'm not on Pinterest, so don't look there. Um, but <laughs> almost any, any, almost anywhere else, most of my time is spent in LinkedIn, so that's the best way to find me. But you can get me through Messenger on Facebook, or you can take a look at my website. There's a couple of free downloads that they can uh, look at. There is, there's a thing about how to get ready for an IEP if you're a parent, and then. For the professionals, it's how to be sensitive to what the parent might be thinking. Well, wonderful. We'll we'll make sure to to drop some of the some of those links to your social media in in the show notes. But thank you so much for for being here with us. I'm not minding my own business. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. Uh, and you know, and to our audience, you know, uh, this this has been a great another great episode or a great conversation on not minding my own business. And we look forward to seeing you uh, on our next episode. Thank you so much for having me today.